Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Pray. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be gathered together. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us back. For allowing us to worship. It's been a busy week. And for some this morning, our minds are still running like we've run all week. It's not so easy to slow down, to quiet our hearts, to open our hearts to hear your voice. And so, Lord, I ask even at this moment, at this moment that we would quiet our hearts, that you would quiet us to begin to hear your voice even as we are in prayer. Quiet is good. The busyness of this world is the rat race. And this is the quiet of the morning. Lord, allow us to soak that in even at this moment. Prepare our hearts to sit around the table. Prepare our hearts to hear your voice, to hear the scripture and to hear the words that you have for us today. It's important for us to step away from the busyness of the week and come into your sanctuary, into your rest. We need that this morning. We need reminded that there's more to life than getting the next project done. The next to-do list taken care of. Quiet our hearts and remind us why we're here. We're here to hear your voice. We've come because we want you to speak into our lives. So Lord, I ask this morning, even now, that you begin speaking into lives. That the words that, that are heard are the words that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's uh, scripture is out of Genesis chapter 12. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 9. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated. 
and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. May God add his blessing as we prepare our hearts this morning to sit around the table. Good morning. So tell me, what is legacy? It's a great big car made by Jewish. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm talking about. When's the last time you thought about your legacy? What's a legacy? Memory that lives on afterwards. Awful quiet this morning. <laughs> Yesterday I had the opportunity uh, to share uh, with the Reverend Stratton uh, family. Doug Stratton was a pastor here in 1957 uh, to 62, and then again in 97 to 98 as an interim pastor. And uh, his wife Esther is 90 and uh, just chugging along and the boys were here and uh, had a really good chance to just share uh, in a life well lived. And in preparation for that life well lived memorial service, I had a chance to really think about what is my legacy or what do I want my legacy to look like? What is it that you want to be remembered by when you are no longer breathing on this earth? What is your legacy? Because you're building it even today. Our legacy, this was a great... This is not the definition, but I like this definition. Legacy is planting seeds in a garden you're never going to get to see. As I tell you that, I guarantee you there are people who have been in your life who have left a legacy that you remember. Those who are no longer here, and yet they have given you seeds of faith in which your life has been changed. Am I right? There are people who were instrumental in our faith. Even as children, my grandmother was instrumental in my faith. She made sure I made it to church. She came and picked me up, my sister and I, and then my little brother. 
She lived her life the way it needed to be lived. I didn't need to know she was a believer or a Christian. She lived it out. And even today, she has an impact in my life because of the things she did when I was a kid. She was a good woman of faith. Legacy is important. Ask a guy like Joe Paterno. I like Joe, don't get me wrong. 409 wins in college football. And I absolutely believe that Joe had every good intention. But a few poor choices defined his legacy. Some of it I think he got railroaded into, don't get me wrong. I'm not, not here nor there. But when all of that came out to, for Joe, he lived a mere 74 days after that came out. Why? I believe because his heart was broken that his legacy would be defined by something so tragic rather than the whole life he had lived. Our legacy is important, and we're writing it every day. What is your spiritual legacy? I used this verse yesterday, and I want you to think about it. Scripture in Revelation 14, 13 says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, who die following the Lord. From now on, they will rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. A lot of times we use this in a funeral to remind us that their deeds that follow them are the things they did to help others come to faith. Sometimes it's our kids and our grandkids. It's those we taught in Sunday school. It's those we shared time and energy with. That's our legacy. It's not built in some beautiful, fluffy, unicorns and rainbows situation. It's built in the grind of, I have to come to VBS again tonight. I'm already wore out and it's only Tuesday. If you've done VBS with us, you know what I'm talking about. One year, I got pictures of Bobby Lewis. We were at the house. I said, Bobby, we're going to practice and then come over for supper. And we're going to watch The Office. And, and within like five minutes, Bobby's on the couch. <laughs> Do you remember that, Bobby? <laughs> it's hard work. We don't always get the accolades. We don't always get to make the bulletin. We don't always get to uh, get our, our face on TV. We don't do those. It, that's not what it's about. Our legacy is a lot of times what's done behind uh, the scenes. I absolutely love it. I was talking to someone about uh, the lady who cleans this church. And someone said to me, you know what? I can tell by the way the church is clean how much she loves this church and loves and does her job to the T. 
She said, because someone who cleans the cobwebs and keeps all those things that are just small and minor uh, up to date, obviously feels called to do that job and does an excellent job making that happen. And mind you, we don't know. We come in every week, right? Garbage is cleaned out of the bathroom. Every week it happens. Now, mind you, if it didn't happen, what would happen, right? The pile would be a movie. Ah! Sometimes our legacy is written in those small, minute details of taking an extra minute or an extra moment to share our faith with those who God has put in our path. Sometimes it means being a little bit more selfless and giving of our time and our energies. I'll ask you again, what is your legacy? You don't have to answer it today because we're going to continue to talk about this for a couple weeks. Because I think it's extremely important to begin to think about our legacy. And it's never too early, never too soon to begin to think about what legacy we're going to leave. And if you have kids or you are an aunt or an uncle, if you have, there are little, you have an opportunity to leave a legacy of faith. Remember, you're writing it every day. This passage is uh, about a guy named Abram. If you're not familiar with uh, Scripture and what happens, this is Abraham before he becomes Abraham. His name is Abram. And God picks him out. It doesn't really say why he comes from a a family of idol worshipers. And God picks him out and says, listen, I'm going to make you a man of great, of a great nation. Your people will be like the sand on the beach. He says, come with me, though. Here's what you got to do, Abe. Abe, here's what you got to do. Take all your stuff, and you got to leave everything you've ever known. How many of us are out? Right? How many of us are out? You have to leave everything you have. Leave all of your family, leave everything, and follow me, God says. Leave your country, your people, your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. Anybody interested in that plan, that project? Here's what I want you to do. I want, to take every, I want to take to you to take everything you have, your inheritance, your place of business, your whatever, and set it aside and follow me. And you know what's going to happen? You will be blessed. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and all the people on earth will be blessed because you stepped out. You have to leave what you had and follow me though. That's challenging, is it not? Challenging to walk away or 
And I will tell you that God doesn't always make us walk away from everything we've ever known. But he makes us make a decision about whether we are willing to walk away from everything or not. That's what he wants. He wants our heart. He wants our heart that says, listen, I will walk away if that's what you're calling me to, God. And poor Abe, he's get, he, we're going to talk about it here in a second, right? But poor Abe, his testing was, was one of the tough ones. Was it not? Genesis chapter 22, if you don't know what happens there. After many years of trying to have a child, he has a child, a, a young man who is the apple of his eye. And God tests him. And God says, uh, listen, you need to... Uh, Take your son, take some fire, take some wood, and sacrifice him to me. That's a different story, but one that's powerful. Powerful because we see that God's not after killing his son. What he's after is Abraham's heart. Are you willing to follow me? In the hard times. See, what we want is to stay safe, do we not? We like safety. We want to stay in our little four walls and, all right, God, I'll do what you want me to do as long as I can stay right here. And I got a wall on either side and I got a nice little door and I can lock it and it's all good. That's what we want. I will do exactly what you want me to do, God, as long as I can stay safe. As long as life is safe, I'll do exactly what you want me to do. And that's the platform that we've built every adventure movie on in the history of man. Is it not? Every adventure movie that we love, all the classics like Goonies and Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, Jaws and Star Wars, are built on the platform of a guy sitting in his couch watching TV. Right? That's exciting, is it not? No, it's not exciting. Why is it not exciting? We love adventure. We love adventure when someone else is doing it, right? We love Raiders of the Lost Ark when he's going to get squashed by that big rock that's going to roll over. And, and we love that part, right? That's, that's the, that is like the marquee picture video of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because all we know is he's going to be dead. He's going to be squashed. How is he going to get out from under this? We love to watch it on TV. Boy, we don't like to live it. We'd rather be safe. And in some ways, in Christianity, we, we try to make it to be safe. Very few stories of faith that really mattered in Scripture are safe. Abraham, when he is told to go to this new place, is anything but safe. He has taken everything. It says he took everything he owned. Mind you, he's 75. He's not a spring chicken, right? All that garbage in his garage. He's been collecting all those half-done projects. He had to sell them at the garage sale before he left. Everything he had accumulated they didn't have those nice little containers on the side of the road where you have a, 
storage wars, you know. He didn't have one of those. It was like, take all your stuff and go. We're not good at that, are we? There's a great story about the world-famous uh, cellist Yo-Yo Ma. This person, uh, a person came up to him who play, also played cello. And in their excitement of meeting him, said, I'd give my life to be able to play like that. And Yo-Yo Ma said, I did. I did. Are you willing to give your life for your faith? If you want the legacy that God has for you, then you have to be willing to go to that point to give your life for your faith. Let me tell you, quit kidding yourself if you think filling the offering plate is going to get you to heaven or being nice to people is going to get you to heaven or talking a good talk without living your faith is going to get you to heaven. Scripture is plain. That is not how we make it to heaven. Now, if it were me making the standard, I'd give you a mulligan, right? Because I needed lots of mulligans in my own life. But I didn't create the standard. God did. And God's perfection says, listen, there is no way to get a mulligan except through Jesus Christ. That's the only mulligan you're going to get. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I apologize. That's a golf term. Uh, when you mess up and you hit the ball really, really bad, you get a mulligan, so you get to put the ball back and pretend like you didn't mess it up. That's the only way you're going to get that mulligan in the faith is Jesus Christ, when he stands in our way, in our path, and in our plan. That's the only mulligan. If you want to leave a legacy, you got to learn how that legacy is or what it's all about. And the first thing you have to do is you got to step out. So many people talk a good talk, but don't walk the walk. Abraham talk, could have talked a good talk all he wanted, right? Yeah, God talked to me, and I, oh, that's really cool. He came to me, and, and his voice was right there. And, but I'm not, I might go next year. I don't really, uh, you know. No, he had to step out. He had to take his wife and his nephew Lot and everything they owned, and stepped out and went. And they had to give 100%. They had to take it all. It says, Abraham took Sarah and his wife and Lot and everything they had. And they went. If you want to live a life of faith, you've got to go all in. Do you want the litmus test to know whether you're, you're living your life the right way or not? Let me challenge you. Matthew, Jesus is talking here. He says, don't store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where you break in and steal, but store up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and thieves do not break in or steal. Here's the challenging part. 
For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If your faith isn't first and foremost in your life, if the only time you think about your faith is the morning at 8.29 when you walk in here and it's done by 9.45 when you walk out, that is not where your treasure is. I'm not telling you to hurt your feelings. I'm telling you that's what Scripture tells us. If you spend more time in your checkbook than in your Bible, your heart is in, your, in the checkbook. Not my words. Scripture's very plain. It says, for where your heart is, or where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Those are hard words. Those are hard words, not because I don't want to, because I, that means I have to make some changes. There was a time I thought hunting was the best thing going. I, I, love, I still, my faith was good. My faith was strong. But after spending a week solid, 12 hours a day, five days in a tree, that's the truth. And I do that every year, and I usually get done by, by the end of that. I, I could have come home and hunted some more. But I realized that that's not where my treasure is. I absolutely love hunting, and I need to do that for my own sanity. But I have learned in this life that I don't want to do that for a living. It's not where my treasure is. Even on the best day of hunting of the year, which I always think in my mind is any day I could get out. Don't, I'm not going to lie to you. After five days of 12 hours every day, I come home and I want to spend time with my wife and my dogs. And I figured out that that was not where the, my treasure was. Treasure is in serving God. Is it tiring? Absolutely. Does it wear me out? Sometimes. But somehow God gives grace to get up the next day and be excited to go to work. I was up at 4.15 thinking about you guys this morning. Thinking about what God was going to share today. Praying over the situation and the scriptures and the message. And just so you know, most every Sunday morning, I get up, I'm waiting for the alarm to go off at 4.15. Not because I'm ridiculous, but because I'm waiting. And I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited to share what God has put on my heart. Some weeks, I'm whooped. You ask my wife, I'll get home on Sunday afternoon, and my favorite thing I have learned what my favorite thing is on Sunday afternoon. A great round of golf and the couch. I turn on the golf. Quite adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> and I lay my head on the couch. <laughs> and two hours later, I'm slobbering on myself. And life is good. <laughs> Mind you, they're still playing golf when I got back up. So it doesn't matter. So if I don't respond to anything on Sunday afternoon, that's where I'm at. Very rarely am I not on that couch in a good round of golf. 
There's a blank headstone. And I just want you to think for a moment that if you live a full life and you make it to wherever, whatever the average age is, 78 for ladies and 72 for men or something, I don't know, it's always changing. What you would, what would be success? What might your legacy be? What might be written on your headstone? The Reverend Stratton's headstone out there was uh, Psalm 48, and it says, this God is our God. And that was his life verse. And I was taken by that. The fact that he had committed his whole life to follow hard after God. To lead God's people in the direction. To shepherd flocks that would continue to go on. He was here in the 50s. We're in what year? 179, I think. 178 or 179. He was a piece of that puzzle that keeps this church moving in the right direction. He wouldn't take credit for all of that's ever happened here, but his part in what happened here. Why? Because he went all in. He understood. I got a chance to, I am thankful. The church historian gave me a lot of information. And I got to read his resignation letter to the church in 1962. Typed out, by the way. It says, I regretfully resign. Not because I want to leave our church but because I know God is calling me to a new adventure. I so respected that. I so respect, I respected the fact that Doug understood that where God called, he was going to follow. When I read that, I, I couldn't help but read it at the memorial yesterday because it just, it just reminded me that uh, his heart was for people. And it said, I don't want to leave, but God is moving me in that direction. And I couldn't help but appreciate. And I asked myself, what does it take to be in that position? First and foremost, you have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Let me walk you through that real quick. This is the Romans road we've talked about before. We have to understand, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want your legacy to be something other than just you, believe me, that will fall short if it's just you. Miserably short. You're going to live in a legacy. The only good legacy will be the legacy that God leaves and directs our paths. Romans says, listen, all have sinned. You have to first understand that I'm a sinner that I can't do enough good to get myself to heaven. I'm not going to be able to figure that out on my own. I, I don't have what it takes. We needed a Savior, Jesus Christ, to come and live a perfect life. And like Brentley said this morning, to take that weight of the world on his shoulders. I wonder as he suffered in that awful, miserable time of being tortured 
a bloody mess. If, if the weight of the world wasn't more torturous than the physical pain he was enduring. The scripture says he took our sins upon himself. Not just my sins, he took your sins and yours, all of our sins. He took everyone's sins and humanity upon himself. We need to understand that we have sinned. And if you think you haven't sinned, come see me afterwards. We'll talk about it. And if it ended there, we would end in hell. That's where we would go. Right? That's what it says. Romans uh, 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. What we deserve is to die away from God. But rather, God made a plan, a better plan, the best plan, to give us a gift of eternal life. I'd be silly to say, well, that's going to fix every problem that you have today. It didn't take you a day to get those problems, and you won't get rid of them in a day as well. You may never get rid of those, some of those problems. That's not what the promise is. The promise is eternal life. That means the day, the moment we quit breathing this air, we will be in heaven with Jesus Christ. That's the gift. The gift is we leave here and we're in heaven. Why? Because while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. You remember that Easter? We, always know, we all know about Easter, right? That Friday where he would take upon our sin and die. His perfection took upon our sin. On Sunday morning, he rose again. And that is our hope. He rose again for us. So what's left for us to do? To declare that Jesus is our Lord. But don't miss the important part. Right? Because talk is cheap. Here's the important part. Believe in your heart. We can say lots of good things. But we're not always believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. If you want to be a believer in Christ this morning, maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've heard about it. You've been to church your whole life. You've been in a pew all, every week without fail. But you don't understand this small, humongous detail. Believing in your heart that God rose him from the dead is where the relationship begins. And that's where we learn to begin to leave our legacy. Let's pray. Lord, you are a good and mighty God. A God who cares so much for us, who cares over us, and Lord, has taken care of our needs. And not only our needs, Lord, uh, way too often our wants. Lord, we are so thankful. Lord, I pray for those whose minds were stirred this morning over the idea of what the legacy they will leave for their children, for their grandchildren. How will they be remembered? And will they be rem remembered as people of faith? We're reminded that he who dies with the most toys still dies. And that 
as we deal with this, the reality that we will not live forever. We are first forced to make a choice. Will we follow our own, our own desires or chase after you? And Lord, I ask that you would continue to open hearts and open minds to recognize you in their lives. In your name we pray.